And uh, we want to go to Colossians uh, chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. I shared with you on Wednesday night about praying over this message. And so I want to encourage you as we read through it just to let's be attentive unto God's word here in Colossians. In chapter 4, we begin reading in verse 2 and we'll read on through verse 4. The Bible says in verse 2, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. With all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Father, empty me as self, fill me with your spirit now. Uh, Lord, take away the distractions. Use your word in a great way and encourage hearts this morning. Help us, Father, as we approach this time of these meetings with Brother Dwight. Lord, they've been on a calendar here for more than a year. And I'm praying that the folks would just, uh, Lord, be subject unto you and uh, be willing to participate in the meeting and to pray and to really seek you out and ask, Lord, not only to revive us, but to also help us win souls to Christ. And so, Lord, we want to lay this particular meeting right now at the altar at your feet, for we know not what tomorrow will come. And, uh, Lord, we're asking that you would just use your word to strengthen this body. Father, we love you today. Thank you for all your goodness and grace now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Let me share a couple of things with you as I read through this and I began to think about our upcoming meeting with Brother Dwight and uh, there's a message here and I want you to underline this in your Bible if you don't mind. He talks about a door of utterance in verse 3 there, a door of utterance. But I also want you to think about this that he says in verse 2, continue in prayer. Verse 3 says, with all praying. And so I want you to think about our prayer lives this morning as we go through the message as well. And I want to encourage you in this idea of this door of utterance. And I think God desires uh, is that we walk closely with him. And when you look at this, you look in verse 5, he said, walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. He talks about this close walk with him. There's time that is short. And I know we all think we have a lot of time. I had a little cousin, David. And uh, we were just young at this time, and my Uncle Wesley uh, had taken the boys fishing. And they went to this pay lake, and, uh, and uh, David was just seven years old. And David and his brothers were there, and they were fishing. And before they knew it, David was gone. They didn't see him anymore. And he had two younger brothers as well. But David had fallen into the water there, and they were at a pay lake. And so it wasn't real deep, but it was enough to just kind of keep him in the mud there. (coughs) And my Uncle Wes wasn't far from them, just had his back to them. And David drowned that day. He was just seven years old. Today, uh, Morgan Zwicker, a wonderful friend of mine, he was a part of the church there in Colonial Beach, and uh, he was one of the deacons there. And as a deacon, I mean, he did a wonderful job. He's still a wonderful friend to me to this day. And uh, but today's the day that we had what we called Family Week at uh, at uh, at Westmoreland Independent Baptist Church. And during Family Week, Dr. Creed was there, and he was preaching. And we had a big tent set up outside, and we had a big picnic after the church service and everything. And Sharon Zawicker, Morgan's wife, uh, was one of the last ones to leave. I was standing outside underneath the tent. She came by and she said, Pastor, I'll see you tonight. I said, Sharon, I'll see you tonight. And on August 19th of 2012, Sharon died that afternoon in an automobile accident. You see, we think we have a lot of time. We just do. 
Now, when we get older, we think we have less time, but when we're young, we think we got a lot of time, don't we? But we never know what tomorrow will hold. And so as I go through this message, I'm just challenged in my heart to think about that door of utterance, and we'll talk about what that means in just a moment. And as you go into Colossians and you read this and you see this, you see that our relationship with Christ is one of the most important relationships that you have. And I believe the key to revival in any local church is that the body itself comes to the place where they realize their real need for Christ, not just for salvation, but in everyday living. How is my attitude and my heart toward my God today? What is my spirit like? For we know not what tomorrow holds, but what am I like today? And you know, the, the thing about it is, in this life, you can't live today over again. How many of you realize that? <laughs> you got only today to live today. I can choose to live it in bitterness, in anger, in hatred, in spite. Uh, I can choose to walk in any of those things. Or I can choose to walk in the Lord and do it in joy and in peace and love and meekness of spirit, a good attitude, a good heart reaching out to others, or I can live it in that bitterness and anger. And here's the thing. When I think about our relationship with Christ, it's the most important one we have. And I believe the key to revival is, is that we got to allow the fruit of the Spirit to reign in our lives. Now, a lot of us, when we hear that message in Galatians, we talk about the fruits of the Spirit. It does not say that. It says the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> and it says the fruit of the Spirit is. And so all these things are in that list. And all those things that are in that list should be a part of our lives every day. That is the fruit of the Spirit. I don't get to pluck from the tree the ones I choose that day. I need to live it according to what it states. Here's what I want to challenge us with this morning. Do you pray for the Lord to provide you times of witnessing and bringing forth revival, especially for Calvary Chapel. Now here, I've heard people say, let's just pray for revival. And I'm, I'm for that. But I'm praying for revival to start here. Amen. I'd like to see revival start right here at Calvary Chapel. And you say, Pastor, what is revival? What are we really talking about? Well, I gave a little quiz on Wednesday night out to the folks and talked about what revival is. And I hope that you've taken the time to at least look that over and start looking at how it's a time of us being quickened or coming alive again as believers. I hope that you've taken the time to realize that it's a create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. I hope that you took the time to just kind of glance that over and say, okay, what is revival? Uh, and revival takes God's word. It takes God's people. It takes prayer. It takes fasting. That's part of revival. And so what is it all about? Well, Paul's praying for a door of utterance to be opened, and not for himself, but he says, open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. Lord, open that door, that, that moment in time, just a little opportunity for us to speak your word. And so a door of utterance is an opening for this short time action of saying or expressing something aloud, declaring and proclaiming, and here it is the name of the salvation of Christ. And he's saying, Lord, would you give us that, that mystery? Would you open that door for us? Would you, would you give us just that moment in time to just preach your word and share the gospel with others? Now, when I think about this, it's evident by the scriptures that Paul was telling the church to pray consistently and to pray for him that these opportunities would arise. And I share this with you. He says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance. I'm asking you to pray for myself and my family. We've been going out. We're knocking on doors. Uh, we're asking folks to attend and, and come to the meeting. We're sharing the gospel with some folks and some are 
open to it. Some will listen. Some will uh, eventually maybe get saved. And, and others, they'll just turn their back on God. But, but praying that as we go out and we knock doors and we invite folks, that God begin to work in their hearts and begin to work in their lives. If our church is to see revival, if, if we're to see revival, if we want to see revival happen, we have to spread the good news. It's not just about what pastor's doing. It's what we're doing as a whole. And, and as I share this with you, I'm just sharing my heart with you this morning that as a whole, we all have to do this. And, and it's a sincerity of heart really coming. This prayer uh, meeting that I'm asking you to participate in, it's not so that we can say that we prayed for 24 hours. It's really for the purpose of allowing God to work on our hearts personally and then to maybe open that door of utterance that we might win some souls to Christ. That's the purpose of it. It's not for self-satisfaction. It's not for satisfaction in my life whatsoever. It's just simply the fact that as we come here and we begin to pray, we'll have a list of names of folks that you can be praying for, maybe names that you want to add to the list, maybe folks that you love that need to get saved and all those kinds of things. And we're bringing that to a holy, righteous God. You say, why at the church? Why do we have to do it here? Can I just pray at home? Yeah, I believe all that stuff, but I believe this is a challenge to us to really just take that one hour in time and really dedicate that moment to our Lord and our Savior. Asking, seeking, asking him to do something specifically in our church and in our homes. Now, praying leads to spiritual opportunities. One of the things is, as he says right here, and I want you to underline this, continue in prayer. I believe nothing happens in a local church unless you have a praying people. Now, what I mean by that, that's not just the prayer meeting on Wednesday night. It's not just us coming here and praying on Wednesday night. It is a continuing in prayer. And I believe what we have to have is we have to have that spirit of praying. And what I mean by that is, is that there's a sincerity when I pray. How many of you really believe that God answers prayer? How many of you have had God answer some of your prayers? And if God answers prayer, why would we not as a church body, it, even corporately as we prayed this morning, but individually pray as we're asking God to do something and we continue in prayer. It's something that's consistent in our life. As I look at this and I see this, he says continue in prayer. Now that word continue is that word to be persistent as well. And when I'm talking about persistence, here it is. When we come to pray that we don't just come in and, and let our mind wander, but that we are persevering in that prayer as well. That, that we're really thinking about what we're saying to our Father in heaven. That we're really praying over these names and really praying for God to really do something in their lives. Praying for individuals. And by the way, all of your names are on there. I'm looking around. I don't think there's not one name that I don't see that's sitting in this auditorium this morning. And, and Pastor and his family and, and Chris and Jim, we're getting together. We're praying. We're praying over each and every one of you. And, and there's some that's not even here this morning that we're praying diligently over each and every one of you and over your families and over the needs of your homes and that God would meet those needs. And, and we're doing everything we can to reach out to you and say, listen, and this is not just about having a crowd in a room in an auditorium. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a sincere meeting with God. And we've prayed and we've that over the last year, we put this on the calendar a year ago. And we're asking God to do something here at Calvary Chapel. And he says, continue in prayer. And there's two parts to this. When I look at this, he said, continuing in prayer and watching the same. Watching the same. And he says, do it with thanksgiving, though. 
And, and when he talks about watching the same, he's saying, keep awake, be vigilant in this time of prayer. Really uh, be alert, be aware of what we're doing. Be aware that if we really want to see God move, if we really want to see God do something in our midst, then we need to be aware of what God's doing. <laughs> and if I want to get a hold of the heart of God, God's got to get a hold of my heart first. In fact, the Bible teaches us in James uh, that, that as we draw nigh unto God, he draws nigh unto us. God is very close. We're the one that's distanced in our heart at some time, and we're distant from God. And what we need to do is really draw up close to him. So we do this prayer meeting leading up to this revival, not so that we can just say, do you know that we prayed for 24 hours, but we come with a sincere heart to God saying, God, we are asking, we're crying aloud asking you to do something in our midst watching for an opportunity to serve others, to lead others to Christ. Let me give you uh, some verses here. You can write these down. We're not going to turn to all of these this morning. In Matthew 26, 41, he said, watch and pray. Now, when he tells us that in Matthew, he said, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. You know what our temptation is? Is that we know that meeting is going to take place between the 26th through the 29th, and we'll find something else to do. We'll find something else to do. A year Calvary's been planning on this meeting. For a year. Praying about it. Seeking the Lord. Put out a church calendar a year in advance. Letting you know that this meeting is going to take place from the 26th to the 29th. Praying that God would bring forth revival at Calvary. And the challenge to us is this. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Now let me tell you something. The Spirit's willing, isn't he? Is the Spirit willing? Amen. God is willing to do a lot of things, isn't he? He's willing to do a lot for us. The Spirit is willing, but what is wrong is our old flesh, isn't it? Boy, is it weak, isn't it? That old flesh is weak. And when you think about it, he tells us not only that, but he tells us in Mark 13, 33, he said, Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. Do you know when he's speaking there, he's talking about, we don't know when Christ is coming back. We don't know the time. We don't know the hour. Uh, Brother Reed, whenever he would teach, he used to say all the time that he believed that it was code red in heaven because the only one that really knows is God himself. And we know not when the time should come, but my word, folks, listen, would you want to be home instead of at the revival and the Lord come? That'd be uncomfortable. He said, what difference does it make? I'll be in heaven. I understand that. But man knowing that I could be in the house of the Lord, listening to the truth of the word of God and allowing God to minister to me. In Luke 12, 37 and 38, he said, Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. If he shall come in the second watch or in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants, those that are really giving their time over to prayer. I believe one of the greatest needs in local, independent, fundamental Baptist churches is prayer. Prayer. Prayer is so needful in the local church. And what it is is that we turn prayer into like this light communication that we just kind of beckon God whenever we want him to do something for us. And that is not prayer at all. Prayer is really a worshipful attitude. And he tells us in this passage, continue in prayer when he says that and watch in the same. And he tells us something else with thanksgiving. In other words, already thanking God in advance that he's doing something. You know, he tells us in the scriptures, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with what? 
Thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. He tells us, pray, but thanking God in advance. And, and I'm challenging us as we come and we pray over these names that we're going to thank God in advance for what he's going to do in the meeting and bringing those folks in, encouraging them to be here. When I think about this, this is an attitude that we walk in and watching for the return. That secondly, thanksgiving, gratitude, grateful language, thankfulness to God. How many of you are really thankful to God? How many of you would really say, man, I am so Thankful not only for my salvation, you know, you think about the things that God does for us. Yesterday, we were heading down toward uh, down toward uh, almost to Dayton uh, to run down that way. And uh, Mrs. Warnick was looking at something on her phone, and Emily was in the back seat, and I was in the front. And a tractor trailer, uh, a, a really, you could tell it was weighed down, and he hit a hole, uh, they're just going past like that RV place down that way, and, uh, and there was a huge hole there. When that trailer hit that thing, it did this, and it did this, and I thought for sure the trailer was coming over on top of us. And for a split second, I thought, man, now I was grateful because if my wife had seen it, she might have let out a scream because she can do that every once in a while. She'll just let one of those go. And I said, did you see that? And Emily goes, oh, my. You know, in a split second, our life can change, can't it? In a split second, our life can change. In a split second. And I, and I challenge you, and I think about this, thanking God just for my time of travel. How many of you thank God when you're going up and down the highway? <laughs> I mean, I, Cody, I think about you being out there, you know, and you say, Pastor, I'm just kind of in a small community or smaller town. or Hey, listen, there's fools everywhere, all right? And fools that carry guns. <laughs> and fools that look at police officers as targets today. Now, I'm not trying to scare you, Jessica. I'm just simply saying the fact is, is that that's a reality, isn't it? And we see that. And, and I'm certain, you know, Cody, when you walk out the door and Jessica, when he walks out, we always think of the return, don't we? You know, my brother's been doing it. He's getting ready to retire in December. You know what he said to me the last time I spoke to him? Just pray that I make it to December. I mean, every time he goes out on the street, I think about how his life is in jeopardy every day. Every day. How many of you see the crime that's in Columbus in the inner city down there? I mean, that's where he works. And, and, and I think about how, how he goes out and every day, and I'm so grateful my brother's saved, amen. In fact, him and his wife now attend Newark Baptist Temple down there with Brother Falls down in, in Newark, Ohio down there. I'm grateful down toward the Heath area down there. Grateful to God that they're in church and they're starting to listen to the truth of the word of God again. But here's the thing. I know heaven would be his home, but the fact is, is we don't want him to depart early either, do we? And the thing is, is that we just don't know what tomorrow holds. You know, when I look at this and I see these things in here, we should be going to God in gratitude for all that he has and will do for us. We never think it's going to happen. Had a friend of ours, and, uh, and uh, his dad lived in the state of Washington out there, and uh, he was just up on a six-foot ladder, and he was doing some work on a six-foot ladder, and he fell off the six-foot ladder, and when he did, he landed on the side of his head, snapped his neck, and it killed him six feet. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what can happen tomorrow. We think it's always going to be there, don't we? We think it's always going to go on as it is. And tomorrow may not come. 
And I share this with you as I share these things with you. He tells us, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And, and what we should do is every day we should have a heart of thankfulness for every breath, for every opportunity that we have. And what we should do with this life is use this life for the glory of the Lord. That men may see our good works, that they might glorify our Father which is in heaven. We ought to let others know that we're saved. And we ought to let others know that Christ saves. And we ought to share our testimony. And we ought to share the gospel with people. Listen, we ought to continue in prayer. And we ought to do this as he teaches us here in the scriptures. And watch in the same with thanksgiving. Praying that God would bring souls to Christ Jesus. Because we don't know what tomorrow holds. We think, I'll get to that person tomorrow. I'll get to it tomorrow. I'll talk to them later. And it may not come. I have a very, very sad story in my own personal life where I was working on my vehicle one time. And I was underneath the car and, and, and a gentleman came from the neighbor's house. I was at my father-in-law's house and a neighbor came over and, and uh, he started talking to my father-in-law and I had a, had a bolt that broke off and I needed an easy out and he had the tools that I needed to get this out and, and all that kind of stuff. While I was underneath the car, it was an old Dodge Charger, a little 2.2, not like what you see today, man. It was a little four-banger. And, uh, and, and so I'm underneath that car and I'm trying to get this thing fixed and I'm thinking I got to go back to work. But when I was underneath that car, God, the Holy Spirit, pricked my heart and said witness to that man and I didn't get out from underneath the car I thought I got to get this job done I got to get back to work I got I got stuff and I knew in my heart that God had pricked my heart to witness to that man and I didn't and I got in my car and I left and I went back to Washington DC and I went back to work the next day and my father-in-law calls me and he says hey do you remember the man that came over last night and, and, and let us use the tool and was talking to us? He died this morning. Jim, I never in my life had God prick my heart so hard as I did that day, knowing that my God wanted me to do something, and I rejected him. God gives every one of us an opportunity every day to share the truth with someone else. He does. Continuing in prayer. You know, this life brings difficulties, but these circumstances that we have, we ought to have a thankful heart because they pale in comparison to what others go through at times, you know. And I, I think about this prayer as a Christian should not only be uh, the characteristic, but a persistent life. It should be something that I just do because I love God, because I want to meet with him. Evangelist Keith Noss, he said this, men never learn to pray in public. Men never learn to pray in public. He says this in, in his statement. He says this. He says, they learn in private. If we are never in Gethsemane when alone, we shall not find our way there with the crowd. We'll never find it. If you never get alone with God, you know, he's talking about Gethsemane. He's talking about Christ being in the Garden of Gethsemane there. And it says, as he prayed, you know, uh, sweat as drops of blood poured from his forehead. And, and, and here's the thing. As he was in agony, the Bible says he prayed the more earnestly. <laughs> he prayed harder. He didn't pray less. He prayed harder. How many of you have been in such agony and your heart's hurting so bad it's hard to pray? Anybody with me? <laughs> It's just hard to pray. It's hard to even think about. It's so difficult to even take it to God, and yet God says, no, continue in prayer, watching, with thanksgiving. Listen, we ought to 
pray the more earnestly at those moments in time. Being alone with the Lord in prayer, I think, leads to something. <laughs> you know what it leads to? I think it leads to victorious Christian living. <laughs> when we're alone with God in the Garden of Gethsemane, I believe it leads to victory because when Jesus stayed in that garden and he prayed, what did it lead to? It led to victory, didn't it? led to victory over sin. And sometimes we just need to stay there in the garden and pray. And we need to do that. And we need to, even when we're in agony, we need to pray the more earnestly about things. We need to get a hold of God's heart. And I think God really needs to just get a hold of ours sometimes. Amen. You know, this meeting is coming up August 26th through the 29th. I'm just asking God to get a hold of your hearts. I'm just asking God to sincerely get a hold of your hearts. Every one of you that are in here, Joe, Elise, Bill, Mike, Craig, I'm asking God to get a hold of your hearts. That he would really prick your hearts and cause something to be stirred in you for God again. To really get a hold of us and, and do something in our lives. Praying that way. Praying that way. As I think about this, being alone with the Lord in prayer leads to that victorious Christian living. When we need to get a hold of a, uh, the heart of God, the Bible teaches us to, to be in prayer. I think about Elisha and, and how he, he wanted to get a hold of the heart of God. And, and he continued in prayer and, and he did it in fervent prayer is what the Bible teaches us. He prayed fervently and, and it rained not and then he prayed again and it, and it rained again. <laughs> And you think about the idea of what takes place, but apart from sincere prayer, I'll tell you what this meeting will be. It'll just simply be a guy coming, opening the Bible, speaking to you, and we all leave. It will never become what it needs to be for the glory of the Lord if God doesn't get a hold of our hearts. If he doesn't really get a hold of us, we're just going to have a guy show up and we're going to pay him to come here and speak out of this book, and we're all going to go home. And nothing's going to take place in our hearts. And the reality is, is that we want God to get a hold of us, praying for God to use the messages and to really prick our hearts. D.L. Moody said this about revival. It's not when people come to hear the singing or hear the preaching, but when they come to pray that we have a sure sign of a coming harvest. I, I want you to know I believe in prayer. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they spake the word of God with boldness. It, it is prayer that changes the hearts of people. It is prayer. It's us allowing God to get a hold of us and us allowing God to just work in our lives and really continuing in prayer, praying for that coming harvest. Pray for the Lord to provide us times of witnessing. <laughs> pray. I want you to pray. How many of you know Ernesto over at Casa Lapita? Anybody know who I'm talking about? So anyway, I go over and see Ernesto the other day. <laughs> I was talking to him. I said, now, Ernesto, I said, listen. I said, I think every person in our church comes over to eat at some point or another. I said, and the other thing is, I said, I've been here at least 100 times since I've lived here. I said, I've been here about three years. I've probably been to your place 100 times. And Ernesto, all I'm asking you to do is just come one time. <laughs> he took the car. to, uh, his name escaped my mind, I can see his face right there. He turned to him, he said, you want to go with me? He goes, you going to go? He goes, yeah, I think I'm going to go. How many of you going to pray Ernesto show up, man? Amen? Wouldn't it be good? Hey, maybe we'll have Costa Lapita after we're done. I mean, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? But the thing of it is, is that I'd be praying for Ernesto to get saved, amen? God can do anything he wants to, anything he chooses to. God can do it. 
Listen, I'm going to pray Ernesto comes. I really am. I'm praying for God to bring people to Calvary. Listen, and, and when I say that, I'm not just talking about the building. I'm talking about Calvary. Amen? Amen. I'm talking about bringing people to Calvary. And that's our role. That's our goal. When I think about this, God will give us the occasion to share the gospel. He says, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which also I am in bonds. Let me tell you how strongly uh, Paul felt about this. He said, I am a slave to the gospel and Jesus Christ himself. That's what he meant. When he said he was in bonds, he's a slave to it. And when you looked at this, uh, we should also be in prayer that God would give us an opportunity to speak that open unto us a door of utterance. Here it is. It is just a small porthole, uh, an opportunity to express the truth of God's word. Went back to see the bakers the other day. I'm praying for them to come. I, I, I went up and, and, and when, I, when I knocked, uh, well, she, she was sitting on the porch and, and I came around the corner and I brought the flyer up to her and she looked and, and she goes, Pastor Warnick, I said, how are you doing? I said, I want to know how Preston's doing. How many of you have been praying for Preston? Huh? Preston has a thyroid problem and, and, and he went in and he had to have his appendix and I just told him, I said, you never know when something's going to happen. <laughs> I'm not God and I'm not a prophet, but I said, you just never know when something's going to happen. She said, you remembered? I said, no, God remembered. Amen. I just didn't even remember my Bible a minute ago. Amen. <laughs> God remember. He just reminded me. And the thing of it is, is that there are people all around us all the time. Do you know what they want to know? Do we care about them? Not do we just want them to come through our doors so we can have a crowd. <laughs> they want to know, do you care? Not just does pastor care, but do we care? Everybody with me? <laughs> they want to know that we care. Amen. They want to know that we really care about who comes through the door. When I think about this, an opportunity to speak of Christ is an honor because according to the scriptures, we're ambassadors. He tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.20, he makes this statement. He says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. To be ambassadors for Christ means that we're out representing him and not ourselves. We're out promoting him and not ourselves. We're out promoting him, not our building and not our programs and not all those things. And all those things are wonderful things, but we're out promoting Jesus Christ. Amen? When an ambassador leaves the United States and goes to a foreign field on behalf of the United States, he does not go there to represent Russia. <laughs> he goes there to represent the United States. When he tells us that we're ambassadors for Christ, when we walk out this door, we are out there to represent our Savior, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Every opportunity being a representative of him. Peter in Acts 10 was commissioned by the Lord to go to Cornelius. You think about that for a moment. He's going to go over to this Gentile. And Peter, initially, he was kind of resistant of it. And God took him up on uh, the rooftop there and brought a sheet down and showed him everything. And, and Peter said, no unclean thing. And God said, no, you're going to go. And, and a couple of guys come up and grab a hold of him and take him on over to Cornelius. And he goes over to Cornelius' place. And sure enough, here was a man who prayed and did his alms, and, and, and was really seeking God, and God took Peter over there, and all of a sudden, Cornelius gets saved. Amen? God working on Peter's heart. Peter was being resistant, was he not? You know, he did the same thing with Jonah, and he took a man who was resistant, and he took him to a people that were just so ungodly. The Ninevites were not good people. They used to dip people in tar and put them up on sticks and burn them so that they could light up their games at night. That's some pretty sick things, isn't it? 
And, and yet God saw fit to send Jonah, a reluctant man, to go and preach the gospel to those folks. And God turned Nineveh around. And, and you look at this and you see God using different people, the opportunities, a set of circumstances sometimes. You just never know what it is. You never know why. How many of you pitch a fit when your car breaks down on the highway? How many of you feel good about that? You say, man, that is so exciting when I break down on the highway. Right? I just love it. Absolutely not. It's one of the most frustrating things ever, isn't it? And God brings someone along and you may be able to witness to them. Sometimes those police officers, they just irritate me. Amen. Got pulled over one night. I thought, good gracious, what did I get pulled over for? I know I wasn't speeding. I was over in Maryland. I said, that's in Maryland police. You know, that's just what they're like, right? And get pulled over and he comes up and he says, uh, sir, he says, can I see your driver's license and registration? And the one thing I learned from my brother is keep your hands at 10 and 2, right? Don't reach real fast for anything. <laughs> <laughs> and so I said, I said, they're they're in my wallet, they're lying on the seat over here. Is it okay if I reach over and get those? He said, Yeah, that'd be fine. I get them out. You know what he told me? One of your lights on your license plate is out. And if you have them, you have to have both of them lit. You pulled me over for a stinking 49 cent light? He's saying, yeah, it's a $49 ticket. <laughs> Puts money in the pocket, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Cody's with me. Amen. <laughs> and here's the thing. When I stopped being upset for a moment, I realized I had tracks laying on the seat. So instead of being stupid, <laughs> I started yelling at him. You mean to tell me you really pulled me over for a 49-cent light? I looked up at him and I said, you know, and this is true. Down there in Colonial Beach, because Maryland was just right over the bridge. I mean, it was right there. We had the Maryland police officers on our prayer list. And we'd pray for them. And so what I share with you is this. I picked up the track, and as he came back over to the car, I said, hey, listen, I want to give you something. And I gave him a track. And I was very careful. I didn't say if you were to die today, you know for sure if you go to heaven. <laughs> Gotta be careful saying that to an officer on the side of the highway, right? Got something in your hand. But I handed him a track, and I was able to share the gospel with him right there on the side of the road. Now, I can get mad, but I never know when God's intervening. Never know when God's doing something. Boy, we could get frustrated about a lot of things, can't we? Brother Corey and I, we were on our way to a funeral, uh, Brother Chris. We were going to Pam's uh, mom's funeral, and, and, and uh, as I'm on my way, uh, the tire goes flat. We just put this tire on the car. Hey, man, it was a new tire. <laughs> and I'm driving to the funeral, and the tire goes flat. I'm thinking, Lord, do you not know I got a funeral? He knew exactly what I had going on. And the gentleman who was there, we got a chance to witness to him. Corey and I got a chance to give him the gospel. We still made it, then we <laughs> we got there in just in time, but but we made it. And we can get mad about what? Anything, right? What about looking at it that it might be an opportunity to witness? 
changing my thinking about some things. Paul responded with a sincere heart, and he viewed himself as being in bonds unto Christ. In Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, you have a cure for death. <laughs> if you're here to say, if you're here today and you're saved, you have a cure for death, don't you? You have the cure, man. And there's only one ailment that's ailing every human being that walks the earth, and that's death. It's appointed unto men once to die, isn't it? And after this, the judgment comes, but what judgment are they going to be at? Judgment seat of Christ or the great right throne judgment? See, at the judgment seat of Christ, all of those that are saved will be before him and will be judged based on what we did with this so great a salvation he'd given unto us and whether we lay crowns at the feet of Jesus. But there's the great white throne judgment. And the Bible clearly says, one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess of things in heaven and things of earth and things on the earth. Then Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. The Bible clearly says that. Every knee shall bow. Now, they'll do it in one of two ways. They'll do it in condemnation or they'll do it in salvation. But one or the other is going to happen. <laughs> And when I look at this, you have the cure for death, and really that cure is a Christ-centered life focused on prayer, reaching people with the gospel. <laughs> That's our goal. Lastly, this. Speak a clear message. He says in verse 4 that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. That word manifest means to bring to light, to, 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 to open it up. And so when you look at this, this is to speak it clearly. And, and he says, help me as I speak as I ought to. In 1 Peter 3.15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you in meekness. Hey, listen, what is your hope? What are you really hoping in? By the way, <laughs> you know, right now you say, well, the stock market's going good and these things with these tariffs are really starting to work out and I'm watching my 401k plan uh, increase and, and, and all these wonderful, you know, and, and you know what? <laughs> We, we may never even get to spend it. It may never even come to fruition. It may never even happen. And I'm not saying it's wrong to do that. I'm just saying, man, when our focus is on that, it's off, isn't it? And, and what, we want, what we ought to be really concerned about are the eternal things, things that have eternal value. I think about this. People are not only to hear your words, but they're to watch your lives. He said in 1 Peter 2.12, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak uh, against you as evildoers, that you by your good works, which shall be whole, glorify God in the day of visitation. Having your conversation honest. Having your life and your lifestyle honest. Being truthful people, being honest people with your life. If you're here today and you say, you say Amen. amen. How many of you witnessed for Jesus Christ? Witness for him. As I think about this, you know, a couple of things, and I, I'm done here. One of the things is it's good to know the Romans road. But, you know, every one of you in here got saved at some point that just said amen. You got saved at some point. God intervened in your life. He visited with you, and you got saved. <laughs> So you have a testimony that you can share with other people. You can, you can share the gospel with them. You can tell them what happened. It says in 5.16 of Matthew, he said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Speak a clear message, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Here's the challenge. We have this prayer meeting, 
And all this prayer meeting is, is about is this upcoming revival. A year ago, a year ago, we put on the calendar, August 26th through 29th, we're going to have a revival meeting and praying to that end. And so challenging each of you, you know, just to take a card and, and give it to someone. But more importantly, you come. You come. Be here. Listen, we can think of any reason not to come, but let's think of every reason to be here. And, and, and what I'm sharing with you is, is that if we want to see God work in our midst, if we want to start seeing souls saved, and by the way, we've had five in the last three weeks. How many of you know that? I can get ready to baptize one this morning. Amen. And, and I'm grateful to God. God's already doing something right now, and I'm excited about it. But you know what? What's exciting is when you're excited about it. It's exciting for the pastor to see the people are excited about what God's doing. And when you get excited, it's amazing. It's contagious to get excited, isn't it? You start getting excited, and all of a sudden, it starts to pass on. It's good. It becomes contagious, and all of a sudden, we start seeing God doing stuff, and you start looking around, and you're thinking, what just happened? Well, it started with, you know, uh, uh, little Morgan uh, getting saved and baptized. Then it went to Tyresha, and then it went to Isaiah. These were visits that Chris and others and Jim made weeks ahead of time, not knowing, right? Not knowing they were going to come and get saved, <laughs> And Christine bringing her sister so she could hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this morning, we're going to baptize her into this body of believers. It's amazing. Amen. God did that. And we need to really start seeing what God's doing Amen. and get excited about it. And watch what God's starting to do. And by the way, God can add to the church daily such as should be saved. Amen. Amen. God giveth the increase. Pastor doesn't do it. God giveth the increase. Attitudes, spirit, our hearts, praying, seeking God. We've got this meeting coming up, August 26th through 29th. Brother Dwight's been praying about it. You, you've seen the video. That's, that's really him. He's really thinking that way. I, I know the young man. When he comes and you listen to the young man preach, he is bathing these messages in prayer and asking God to move upon the hearts of the people of Calvary Chapel. <laughs> And when he comes, we're going to get together and we're going to pray and we're going to go door knocking and we're going to go soul winning while he's here. I know him. And, and I'm telling you, his desire is to watch Calvary be this lighthouse in this community. Listen, you can say, well, once we... No, 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 no. Let's talk about where we're going. Amen? Once is okay, but let's do it all over. Not just for the sake of getting a crowd, but for the sake of seeing souls come to Christ. <laughs> Amen? Listen, I can do nothing, but I can do all things through Christ with strengthening me. I'm incapable, but with God, all things are possible. Amen. There is nothing I can do. I can only plead with you folks and say, hey, listen, this is coming up. You knew about it. I knew about it. We've been praying about it. We're asking you to come. We're asking you to pray. We're asking you to invite folks. We're asking you to, hey, when circumstances arise, don't get angry. Don't get bitter. Start asking people to come to Christ. Hey, listen, come to Calvary. Let me invite you to our church. Listen, God's working over there. The Word of God's being preached. Jesus Christ is alive. He lives. Let me share my testimony with you. Let me tell you how I got saved. Let me tell you what God's done in my life. Let me encourage you to come and to visit. Uh, listen to the word of God being preached. Yes, we're a conservative church. We sing conservative music. Praise God. Amen. But you know, unless it's sincere, unless you really mean it, he knows your hearts. He knows where you are. He knows what you're thinking. 
And what I challenge you with this morning is this one thought. How many of you are really willing to continue in prayer with all praying? Pray. Praying, watching, <laughs> and doing it with thanksgiving. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.